right, let's go ahead and pray as we get into the Word today. Father, thank you so much for this time we have together now. We believe that you're at work doing great things in our lives. Thank you for your Spirit revealing and showing us things that we don't know, showing us things to come. And uh, we pray that every person would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts open and receptive today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, today I want to bring another practical message to you. Uh, I think next week, good chance, we're going to start on something real, real important in a new series of messages. Today, however, well, this one's important too, but uh, <laughs> let me lower your expectations real quick here before I start. Today, uh, my message is called Quirky Things That Christians Do. Everybody ready for that? I believe it's important that we learn to live a normal Christian life. One of the best compliments I've received as a pastor from some visitors and some guest speakers, I'm talking about those kind of visitors, guests, uh, men of God that have come, they have told me at times, your people are very normal. And... Uh, whether you know it or not, that's a compliment, okay? What does that imply? You can go to some places, and they're really strange. <laughs> and they're Christians, and they're saved, they love God, you know, but act kind of different. And uh, I don't know if you know anyone, maybe you think about who you know, maybe they're in your family, maybe uh, others, but do you know any Christians who are just different, who are just kind of odd? Very quirky behavior. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're just like, what in the world are you talking about? It's you. <laughs> and so just look straight ahead and don't uh, make any uh, loud noises or yelp or anything. You know, they say when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the only one that yelps is the one that gets hit. And so uh, <laughs> just smile and have fun. <laughs> what do they say? Grin and bear it. Uh, spiritual maturity and being normal go hand in hand. It is not true that the more we are growing up, more we are spiritual, more we walk with God and, 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 and live our lives with Him, that we become more out there, that we become more unrelatable to the average person. Who would be the most spiritual person that you could think of in history? That would be Jesus. And as we read about him, we don't read about someone who was just goofy. You know what I'm talking about? We read about someone who was very relatable. He related to those who were sinners, and he was merciful and kind. They would be drawn to him. Those who, of course, were his, who were his disciples, of course, were drawn to him. It was the religious people that had trouble with him. The religious people of the day are those uh, who despised him. And I would rather be more, you know, if religious people get mad at me, fine, I'm probably doing something right. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but if we're reaching people and make a difference, there's something that's working. Now, what many of us have experienced in the Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled word, whatever you want to call it, these things that we've experienced in our lives... Um, 
you know, the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. These things open up a whole new world to us in life. I mean, probably a number of you were, were believers and you were not Spirit-filled believers at one point. You were saved and, and when you received the baptism in the Spirit, it really opened up a whole new dimension to your life. And you thought, wow, this is amazing. Everyone needs this. And, uh, and, and that's true. It opened up so much. But how many understand this as well? This also opens up a greater possibility of producing strange people. People also, when they come into this move, have a greater chance of becoming weird. And what we want is to be powerful and normal. We want to experience God's fullness, His blessing, the most He has for us, but at the same time, be like Jesus and be relatable and be able to have a conversation with someone and not just kind of be, you know, know what I'm talking about? Sometimes there's not a word for it. You just have to make sounds. And <laughs> ladies, men know that more than you because since we were one, we started making sounds. The girls started talking. The boys made engine sounds and dragon sounds. <laughs> All right, and so and so, I want to talk to you again about quirky things that Christians do. I've made a list of things that have uh, that have come to my mind in, in in preparing for this this subject. And so, if you'd like to write these down, great. We put them up on the screen for you, so you can you can see them as well. But here we go. Number one, quirky things that Christians do. They act like they have no choice in what they do. Some Christians act like they have no choice in what they do. Uh, th before they were saved, you know, they knew your life is, I, you do the right thing and you get good results, you do the wrong thing, you get bad results, but somehow they come into church and now it's not up to me anymore. Now some, they almost, they, they act like fate is controlling all their lives and they won't take any responsibility for their stupid decisions, want to blame everything on God, and, and it's not all about what they do, it's just, well... I'm just, I just find myself in situations. I just find myself all of a sudden experiencing this and, and act as if they have no choice in the matter. Act as if their decisions don't count anymore because somehow, because God's on the throne, that everything that happens in their life is up to Him. That's not true. That's weird. That's just kind of out there. I remember, I remember meeting with a guy uh, years ago and he was having some problems, and he was making some decisions in his life that were just really bad decisions, and, uh, and I was endeavoring to help him with that, and I don't typically tell people what to do, but in his case, I did, <laughs> just because it was so obvious, and if you were there, you'd have told him the same thing. You didn't have to be super smart. you say, man, don't do that. I mean, if I told you the story, you'd go like, you serious? Wow. And I'd, I said, don't do that. Do this. If you keep doing this, this is going to happen. These are going to be the repercussions. This is what's going to happen in your life. You don't want that. And as I shared this with him, you would think he would just go, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. That would be the smart thing. But he acted like he had no choice in the matter. His response to me was, he said, I always knew this would happen at some point. And he, when he said that, I looked at him, I, th I said, listen, this doesn't have to happen. You're choosing this. 
You're making this choice. Don't act like it was just going to come no matter what you did. This is coming because you chose to act that way. But he had this kind of strange mindset that he was just almost like fated for this problem. Like he couldn't do anything about it. And he totally could have done something about it. Amen. But we don't want to act like, well, here I am. I had nothing to do with it. I realize we don't choose where we're born. We don't choose some of the things early on in life. But how many know as adults, our lives are a result of the choices we make? And that's not always a happy, feel-good message, especially if you're going through some troubles. But we have to acknowledge it. Otherwise, we never get out of that. Someone said, well, I've just been going through troubles, and, and you know, that's why I'm having... That's why, I'm, uh, that's why I'm having such a problem with my physical size or my weight. No, it's just, I, I love you, but you just, you eat too many Twinkies. And don't spiritualize that. This is a spiritual problem. No, it's not. It's a personal discipline problem. It is. All right, I'll go on to the next one. But let me give you this before I go on to number two. God has a plan, but He still lets us choose right? He absolutely lets us choose. We can see that in the scriptures. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. You can choose life or death. It's our choice. God gave us that. Here's a scripture, Philippians 1.22. This is powerful. Paul said, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. There came a point in Paul's life, later on in his life, and he's, he's contemplating. He's saying, should I go to heaven or should I stay here? Now, he's not suicidal. That's not the issue. But a lot of times people, again, they think, well, when a person dies, that's up to God. Well, no, it's not. Whoever said that? Religion taught people that. It's squirrely thinking. These things are up to us. Paul had to make a decision. Should I stay or should I go? Should be a song. <laughs> And you, you read the chapter there, he decided, you know, he said it'd be far, it'd be a lot better for me if I, if I said, see ya, <laughs> wouldn't want to be ya, and I'm out of here. But he said, but I'm going to stay because it'd be better for you. He made the choice to live. God has given us choice concerning things. So again, number one, let's not act like we don't have choice in what we do. Somehow something is controlling everything. No, that's not the way God operates. Look around. Amen. All right, here's number two. Here's number two. Quirky things that Christians do, they ignore common sense. Some Christians ignore common sense. Why does a belief in God cause some to ignore rational thinking? Why do we check our brain at the door? Why, when we, we know we, we dealt with stuff in a rational, normal way, but as soon as we got saved, we no longer think right. And somehow there's a, you know, there's a spiritual addition to everything. Not everything is. Uh, Let me read a scripture to you. I want to read it to you instead of you just looking at it with me because this is Proverbs 3, 21 through 26, and this is the Message Bible, all right? Message is a paraphrase Bible. It says, Dear friend, guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. They'll keep you fit and attractive. You'll, safe, you'll travel safely. You'll neither tire nor trip. 
You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsdays just around the corner because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe and sound. Amen. Sometimes people see this when you talk about common sense. They think, well, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of an attack against my faith. I mean, I walk by faith and not, not, not by sight. Uh, listen, those things aren't necessarily opposites of each other. There's a difference between using your common sense, using your brain, and making your brain God. All right? We don't want to make it the final authority in our life. We trust Him with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. But there are so many things in life that the, really the Bible doesn't address specifically because we're supposed to just think. We're supposed to just use our common sense and not, again, try to go overboard on the spiritual side. And sometimes people act like natural laws don't apply to Christians. But I want you to understand that before Christ, since you've been saved, natural laws still work. You know, uh, you jump off the roof as a saved person, you're still going down. It's still going to hurt, all right? Even if you prayed up that day and, uh, and, and meditated on the Word, it's still, it's still a reality. And uh, sometimes people do that again, you know, with their physical body. Let's say you believe in divine healing in miracles and you know God providing health and protection I believe in that strong probably more than most people Uh, I think about it constantly Uh, I I love the healing power of God but that doesn't mean a person can't destroy their own physical body in a natural way and they can have faith and they can trust God but it doesn't mean that all natural things don't apply to them right if I hit my thumb with a hammer trying to pound in a nail it hurts me just as much as it hurts Joe Blow who doesn't know God well I have faith that doesn't hurt <laughs> well since I'm a Christian uh... no it's the same we live in the same physical world and I'm not going to uh, act like it's not the not the case all right if someone for example they get all hot and sweaty and they maybe in the middle of winter they get all hot and sweaty working out or playing sports or or something then they go out into the cold and the wind zipping by and they don't put a jacket on how many know that can affect their health that can cause your you know your breathing to mess up and your throat to mess up or something and give you whether you have faith or not we still live in a physical world and we need to use our brains concerning some of these things i find it interesting even what paul said to timothy you see timothy was in a place that apparently the water wasn't great. Like some places, parts of, of the world today. You know, like Cuna. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, some, par, uh, some parts of the world you can go and, you know, you have to ask, can, is the water safe here? Can I drink the water? Because it's not always purified as, as much and, and, and clean. And so Timothy was having problems because of that in his stomach. And uh, Paul wrote to him, 1 Timothy 5.23, he said, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. The alcoholics love that verse. (laughs) The Bible says drink wine. Now, now, what he wasn't saying was, Timothy, you've been pastoring. Man, and those people, they can be hard. Man, they can be a pain. You just need to get yourself a bottle of wine. (laughs) Make it all go away. No, that's not what he's talking to him about at all. In fact, uh, 
we read from commentaries uh, of historians that say oftentimes their wine, what he's telling them, was very low alcohol content. He's not talking about him uh, getting drunk by any means. He's saying basically the water's giving you a problem. Drink a little wine with that instead and maybe it kills some stuff. I don't know. Or it ke- keeps you from drinking too much bad stuff. But here's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, he gave a natural solution to a physical problem. We might think Paul would write, Timothy, man, get in the Word. You need to meditate on some healing scriptures. You need to find out what belongs to you in Christ. But that's not the answer he gave him. He gave me a real natural answer. Is it ever right for us to deal with maybe physical problems or issues in our own body in a natural way? It is. It is. Sometimes you might be trusting God, standing on His Word, and it comes up in your heart. Treadmill. (laughs) Seriously. And it might help you in, in, in regard to having your body function like it's supposed to function. Or you might be... Praying along and the Lord says, don't eat this or don't drink this or, or something that's not working with your particular situation. He could give you a natural answer. All right. Again, this comes under the, the area of common sense. Let's go, go to number three. Number three, sometimes people think all their problems are demon related. All their problems are demon related. The devil doesn't have as much power as some people think he does. And this again, is this is not necessarily real fun to hear if you're going through a difficult time but uh, many of our problems are self-inflicted and I'm not taking away from the truth of the matter that the enemy does attack people and does try to destroy lives no doubt and, and we should understand and we've that's why we do series on the believers authority and so forth we need to understand our authority in Christ but many times the things that we're going through are self self-inflicted we made wrong choices wrong decisions and because of that we're reaping the consequences of that but I don't want to blame everything on the devil you know uh, it's just, it's just one of those things, it, you know, if a person says, well, it's a, it, it's a demon, well, that means it's not my fault. I don't have to do anything. And that's real convenient. Takes all the pressure off, but it doesn't fix something. And as many of us know, uh, in Christ, even if it is a demonic problem, we have authority in Jesus' name. And so we can remove that. But I don't want to just fall under the trap, well, I can't help myself. It's, the, it's, it's a devil. Uh, it's a demon attacking me. Or, or, or get into a place where every little thing I see in life, every little, every little thing that goes wrong, and there's a demon there. You know, like the people that we know that had this staircase in their house. And for some reason, there was a particular step that people frequently tripped on. And so you know what the problem was, right? It was demon-possessed. They determined that this step had a demon and that, that demon needed to be cast out of that step so that people would stop tripping on it. That makes pe- Christians look kind of strange when they talk like that. I would think, why don't you measure it? See if it's the same as the other ones. That might be an easier solution. <laughs> I don't really think the demon's in the stair. But again... That's the mindset of everything's, every problem that I face, it's an attack. Everything that goes on, it's an attack. Not everything is. And again, don't take this to the other extreme where we say nothing's ever spiritual in origin. There are some things. But we ought to have a, 
a practical mindset about some of these things and not relate everything to being a demon. At the same time, you know, kind of the opposite of this, not everything's God either. Sometimes people are always attributing, act like something's a miracle from God, and it was no miracle. Sometimes people look at that, too, from the outside and hear that, and you think, well, that's a miracle? People get that all the time, and they don't even know God. And it kind of diminishes the effect of when we say God did something. You know what I'm talking about? All right, let's go on to number four. Oh, let me say this as well while we're here. You didn't go to number four yet, did you? <laughs> Those same times that, same people oftentimes that blame everything on the demon, they're, oftentimes they're always quoting the devil. God, the devil spoke to me. Well, I was doing this and the devil just said, and I was about to go to church and the devil said, and I was about to do this, I was standing strong, and the devil said to me, you really know his voice that well? Are you really hanging out so much that you just, you're quick to be able to quote him? Recognize him? Hmm. Now again, I'm not saying the devil doesn't put thoughts in people's minds, doubt and fear and question and, and all kinds of stuff, certainly. But I don't want to know his voice. Jesus said about him that his sheep would know his voice. John 10, the voice of a stranger we wouldn't follow. So I don't want to be quick to be, the devil said this, the devil. <laughs> See that, how that comes out when you say devil? <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> See, you can't even understand him. He just sounds like, <clears throat> when God speaks, it's clear. <laughs> now I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> Some things are better felt than tilt. Let's go on to number four then. <laughs> number four, uh, sometimes people think the only way that God can use them is in the main church service. This is quirky thinking. Well, if I'm going to be used, bless God, it's, I'm going to have a microphone and I'm going to be able to speak to the church, speak to the congregation at large. That's a goofy mindset. That, that's not accurate in what God wants to do. He wants to use people in the church, out of the church. Oftentimes when someone like that does get an opportunity, if that comes to speak to a, a church body at large, they're not respected by anyone because they won't do anything behind the scenes. They won't serve and they won't help in other areas. They think, well, my, my gift is uh, I'm supposed to speak openly. And if they don't get that opportunity, they'll speak against the church and say, well, they don't allow anyone to use their gifts. Well, no, just not the way that goofy person wants to do it because they want to be seen. And if they're not getting recognition, they'd rather not do anything. And so it's strange, quirky behavior. The Lord uses people in many different ways number five number five they uh, some people avoid small things and try to go straight to the top kind of related to the other one it, it, it's a it's a goofy behavior but people want to they have a great vision they want to do great things for God so they're going to start off way at the top and avoid all the steps you're going to go upstairs but they're going to do it in one leap not realizing that the kingdom of God works on a seed principle Everything starts small where you don't see it. Everything starts behind the scenes. And over time and over faith with faithfulness, 
people are promoted to positions that are higher and greater. Zechariah 4.10 says, For who has despised the day of small things? In other words, we are not to look down on and despise small things that are happening in our lives and through our lives, but we are to be faithful with them. All right. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And so we've got to be what? Faithful. Faithful with what? With things that are small and sometimes seem insignificant or unimportant. And they are key to us getting to the top. Understand the Lord is in the business of lifting people up. You're not going to walk with Him and follow Him uh, correctly and stay low in life. Your life is not going to stay low. He's going to lift you up to that place where He wants you to be. Here we go, number six, right? Number six, all right? Sometimes people are always seeing things. One quirky behavior is they're always seeing things, always looking at people, and they always see more than that's really there. Always seeing there's a snake around your head, or you got a band around you, or you got a cloud over you. Or there's something wrong here, something wrong in your life. Now listen, again, I don't diminish the office of the prophet or the gift of discerning of spirits where a person sees into the spirit realm. But typically you'll find when people are legitimately operating in those type of gifts, they're a lot more grounded and normal, not just kind of quirky and just always, <laughs> always seeing stuff, seeing a demon behind every bush and and all, it seems like oftentimes they're not seeing the good. They're always seeing the bad and always something wrong. One of the people I know, a friend of mine, you know him too because he ministers here from time to time, uh, Joe Morris, he's, he's a person that sees legitimately more than anybody I know. He sees angels regularly. He, that's one of the gifts, discerning of spirits that operates in his ministry regularly he's seen Jesus on a number of occasions and you know if you've been here when he's ministered he's one of the most normal people around and I know him both inside and outside of the church and uh, and he's a very relatable person a sinner does not walk up to him and think man you are strange you are a, just a different bird aren't you and uh, no very relatable and very effective yet very powerful we can operate in the Spirit and do very powerful things for God, yet be very relatable. Amen. Very normal. And this is what we should desire. Okay. I remember hearing from Brother Hagin years ago and how, you know, sometimes people, I don't know, they may overdo the, ex the advertisement of certain signs and different things. I remember him talking about ministering to the sick and laying hands on people and oil was coming out of his hands. And, uh, and that's something that can happen. Oil in the Bible is a, is a type or a picture of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. And, uh, and it was a supernatural manifestation. But he told, he told us, he said, I just, I said, I didn't want to draw a bunch of attention to myself. So I just got tissue and I just kind of wiped that off and went on. It was a supernatural manifestation. But I always took note that he was so slow to draw attention to himself and wanting people to think that he was something special. And... Uh, and I wonder at times if we go too far. Sometimes, you know, if people legitimately do see things, and God gives you visions and different stuff, watch who you talk to and watch how you talk to them. 
so things are received. Number seven, number seven, quirky people, Christians, sometimes carry Pentecostal baggage. Traditional, religious, Pentecostal baggage. All right, what am I talking about? Well, oftentimes people take on behaviors, characteristics that didn't, didn't come from the Bible, didn't come from the Holy Spirit, but it came from the culture. And no doubt we probably all do this to some degree. Uh, come from the culture in which they have years of experience oftentimes raised in. Sometimes when I'm praying for people, if they start speaking up or praying, I can tell you what kind of church they came from. This is one of those things that, what am I talking about? Sometimes it comes out when they pray. It's just, you know, they'll speak to you like I am speaking on a normal tone and regular voice. But when they pray, all of a sudden, everything changes. Their voice might become deeper and louder, sometimes sing-songy. Sometimes it even carries a little bit of a whine factor. What I'm talking about, and it's oh God, and oh, yeah, and they'll go off in other tongues, and and, yeah, and it's just every, it's like wow, what's that? I mean, that's different. I mean, why, why when you talk to me, it's in one voice. When you talk to God, it's so different. And my concern sometimes is, you know, I, I love to hear stories about some of you, and you you're out and you get an opportunity to pray for someone. Maybe a, a checker starts complaining of a a headache and you're buying something and you say hey could I pray with you you can be healed and you grab their hand and pray with them yeah but what about that person with all the traditional baggage and they're right there in the store and oh god and I, and everyone's looking around what's happening here you see that's a legitimate heart probably and good quality ministry that won't be received by all those around because they just like unless a person grew up with that same background they might be thinking, yeah, woohoo, <laughs> because they're used to that. But I think we should be re relatable to people in the world who don't know the Lord at all. And some of the behaviors that people carry into their life, they're just different. You know, it's like the person who speaks normally, but when they pray, it's King James. You might call me he, but God is thou. Know what I'm talking about? These and thous and I durst do this and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Well, where does that come from? The Lord's not telling you to do that. I don't really think the Lord speaks in King James English. It was just the way they spoke at the time of that particular Bible translation. I know some do the whole, they do the whole jerk I don't know if you've ever seen The Jerk. Not that movie, The Jerk. I mean, I had a friend, a guy I knew years ago when I was real young in some of these things. And this guy, this guy was a minister. And, uh, and he told me that whenever the Lord was speaking to him, the Lord gave him a jerk. And he said the Lord gave him to that, that as a sign that he could know when God was speaking to him. And I remember at the time thinking, well, that's pretty cool. Got that. I wish I had one of those. <laughs> you know, I wish I had something like that where I could know when the Lord was speaking to me. And uh, as I grew, though, in the Word and in, in wisdom, I realized that wasn't God that did that to him. Uh, 
That's not the way the Lord leads us. He leads us by His Spirit. It's an inner knowing, and there's, there's some other things there. But it's not by a, a physical thing. Now, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God never comes upon someone and they uh, have a physical response. That's right and appropriate, okay? But we've got to watch out whether we're not just carrying a traditional baggage or this is where I was around, and when people felt the presence of God, they always did that, and so that's the way it happens, and they start doing that anytime. So again, we want to avoid that kind of quirky behavior. All right, here's number eight. Number eight is sometimes people over-spiritualize everything. They over-spiritualize everything. Again, not everything in life is spiritual. We as spiritual people, as believers, operate in the physical realm and the spiritual realm, but not everything is spiritual. You know, if you get up in the middle of the night you got to go to the bathroom or something, and it's dark, and you walk on, you walk and step on a toy or something, and you're not under attack. <laughs> you don't need to have a deliverance session. Call the prayers, and uh, the devil's attacking me. He hurt my foot. No, your three-year-old attacked you. <laughs> and uh, and it's just natural. Clean that thing out ahead of time before you go to bed, and you won't have those kind of spiritual attacks. <laughs> know what i'm talking about not everything should we relate well this is god or this is the devil no it's just physical world it's it's it's, it's where we live and it's, it's, it's how things operate and uh you know sometimes when people want to anoint everything with oil i don't know if you've, you've seen that you know the anointing of oil is james 5 for healing the sick and it's a type of the holy spirit and so forth and and the anointing and i've seen some people who anoint everything with oil They've taken the one principle, this is anointing, and so everything in their house is anointed. I know I knew a person with her uh, that had a car years ago, and this car was kind of a disaster. It was really broken down, and uh, I mean, it functioned kind of, kind of, and it had been wrecked a few times, and it was just ugly. <laughs> I mean, it was time for it to die. <laughs> and, uh, but there was a person in that family that they were always anointing it with oil. I mean, you could see all the spots on the hood. And uh, the paint job wasn't good anyway, so it wasn't really doing it too much harm, I don't think. But they just kept anointing with oil. I thought, you know, doesn't the oil go in the engine? Uh, that might help it run better. But again, I think they're taking a principle and stretching it too far. And again, it just seems kind of quirky, kind of out there. What? That's not real. If, I mean, I would take it to a mechanic. Am I just crazy? Is, is that just weird? That if your car's not running right, you take it to a mechanic? See, don't you believe in the supernatural power of God? I, I absolutely do. Probably more than you, loudmouth. <laughs> and if I was stranded in the desert somewhere and I didn't have any way out, I'd be laying hands, I'd look for oil, whatever I could do. You know, <laughs> kidding about the oil, but I would be praying and trusting God for Him to supernaturally help me get out of that situation. You know, someone said, I can't afford to get this done, so... Uh, I'm just going to pray and believe that it's going to work. You know, maybe something wrong with your car. You know, I think you ought to pray and believe for some money to get it fixed. I mean, if you can believe one, can't you believe the other? And since we have lots of scriptures on that. You know, sometimes when you're talking about spiritualizing everything, you ever heard people get all off the deep end with 666? We know that in the end times, of course, uh, and in the you know, the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and it's the number of man and, and, uh, and, and 
you know, don't take it. Don't get it on your forehead. Don't get it on your hand, okay? If we're alive, no, that's a bad deal. Don't take that. But, you know, in the meantime, I wouldn't worry about the number, you know? You, t- you, you get, buy a ticket to something, <gasps> and it's got 666 on it. <laughs> and you see some people make, they overly spiritualize it, and they think, <gasps> I've never... It's amazing how some Christians can be uh, uh, superstitious. Thanks. Superstitious. Believe in God. Got the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. And superstitious. You know, they go to a game and they get their seat. You know, a baseball game or something. Get their seat. And it's, oh, it's six, six, six. I can't sit there. That's bad luck. Man, whatever. Talk about weird. It's just a number that's tucked in between 665 and 667. That's really all it means for now. All right. And we ought not overreact to some of these things. You know, I don't think Christians ought to. I'm leery of someone who every other word out of their mouth is God said. God told me to wear these clothes. God told me to eat, to order a steak today. God God told me to buy, to go to Walmart and and. Uh, well, again, I'm not saying God couldn't tell you to go to Walmart, but typically, if it's every other word out of your mouth is God told me to do this, you're lying. You're over-spiritualizing everything. You know, I want to buy a car, and I don't know what, I don't know what color car to buy. Uh, I'm praying about it. Stop. What color do you like? A lot of choices God has put in our own control. And he's not dictating every little thing that we do in our lives. He gave us a brain, and he's honored and respected when we use it. <laughs> All right, so, so that's over-spiritualizing everything. Here's my last point today, number nine. Uh, some Christians never do anything for God because they are afraid of doing the wrong thing. They never do anything for God because they are afraid of doing the wrong thing. These people are always praying about what they should do, and they're never doing anything. They're so concerned. Well, what if I, I do this, and it... It's not the right thing. What if I do it and I don't like? I end up not liking it. Then stop doing it if it's the wrong thing, if it's not working out. But too many Christians are idle through too much of their life. They're idle. They're not productive. They're not producing. They're not. They're not um, contributing anything to the work of God, the kingdom of God, by what they are able to do. They're always watching. Well, if I get involved in that. You know, that, that might be the wrong thing, so I'm going to pray about it. And five years later, they're still praying. Ten years later, they're still praying, never doing anything, never, con- never contributing anything. So God never really works through them because they're so concerned and afraid of doing the wrong thing. This is one of those things where those of us in, you know, spirit-filled circles, we know that God will speak to us. We've got the inward witness. We've got the still small voice. We've got the authoritative voice. We've got that knowing on the inside. And we can know what to do. But we understand that's a process and it's not an exact science. And there are times when we simply don't see it real clear yet. We have to wait on God. But here's what happens sometimes is through history, you got those who don't walk in the fullness of the Spirit, and they don't even know that God would specifically tell you to do something. And so they just do stuff. Sometimes they, miss, sometimes they miss it or make a mistake, but there are a lot of things in our world today that were started and were fruitful and effective and remained for many years to come because some Christians said, you know what, somebody ought to do something about that. And they started this organization. They built a camp. They started a hospital. They built this missions organization. And you ask them, why did you start that? Well, I just saw a need. 
Now, we know better than that, don't we? We know better. Well, you don't just follow needs, period. But in the middle of our knowing that, we sit back and do nothing. In the middle of our, our knowing that, we got things going on all around us. Well, so many spirit-filled Christians are, I don't want to get out ahead of God. And though their statement is true, they're oftentimes, again, missing it, not getting anything done, sitting on their butt waiting for God to talk to them. Fifty years later, well, the Lord hasn't said anything. I think it's time to get the car rolling. You can't steer a parked car. It's time to get moving. Put your hand to something. Let God bless something. And if you find out it's, it's the wrong thing, you might find out that you should have been doing it 20 years ago. I wasn't meaning to end on such a serious note here, but I'll tell you what, God wants to do things in our lives. And that's not let be so quirky or so overly spiritual that we're, ne- that we're afraid to do anything. Put your hand to something now. Amen. Now let me say this, let's say this in closing here today. I said at the beginning, it's important that we live a normal Christian life. Normal, according to the Bible, is not necessarily normal according to a lost person. We want to avoid those things that we've added, just wrong thinking, and we want to shun those. But there are some abnormalities that are inherent to the Christian life. The Bible tells us in scriptures, we won't take time to look at today, Hebrews 11, 13, 1 Peter 2, 11, for example. But we're strangers. We're aliens. We are foreigners here. We don't belong anymore. We're born from above. Come on, we're, we're of a different country. And we're representing God in the earth as ambassadors. And so when a person lives for God and lives the normal Christian life, they will be at times considered by those on the outside abnormal you will be at times considered strange different because you live for God a person who spends a lot of time and energy and money for God's kingdom doesn't make sense to a person in the world a person who is unusually happy and kind doesn't make any sense to a person who's lost all right we pray and we worship God in sometimes very expressive ways And that's odd. That's different to a person in the world who doesn't know God. But I accept that kind of strange. I accept that kind of difference. Label me. That's all. I'm all about it. All right. There are behaviors that we um, have in our lives that are different. You know, we avoid bars and pornography and certain movies or certain music that they're just contrary to who we are in Christ. And so we choose not to participate with some things anymore. Call me strange. Call me quirky, call me whatever you want to call me, I'm saved, and I'm happy, and I'm full of life, and it's going to be that way forever. So there are some differences between you and the world, and absolutely these things should be in play. And again, if we're accused of being strange or different for that, bring it. Bring it on, because listen, that person, I'm inviting you to become strange with me, and I'm going to take your life up to a whole new level. When you come into Christian circles and when you come into the church, there are certain things, if you don't do them, you're strange. You know what I'm talking about? You say, I love God, but you won't worship Him? Man, you're weird. Something weird going on in there. We need to learn what's normal for the believer. 
and what's abnormal for the believer. And in this, I believe we become far more attractive to those who are looking, those who are seeking God. They want to know Him. They want to know what a relationship with Him is like. And so they're looking at you. They're looking at me to see how does a Christian act. What does that life look like? And they should find something good. Father, thank you today for every person and what you're doing in their life now. I believe you're helping us to come up higher, come up to a new level of, of growth and maturity and representing you in the earth. I believe you're helping us so we can be so fruitful and productive and all around who see and witness our lives will be drawn to you, a very powerful and relatable God. And help us in any area that I've, of course, I haven't covered everything, Father, but I pray that you just help us to, to think clearly and see things through your eyes so we can be used by you in, this, in these last days. Thank you for your help. Father, I pray for those who've come to church this morning that are not saved.